The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, two big moves in Washington. For the life of me, cannot understand this. The Democrats' latest deal, Arizona's Kirsten Cinema killing a chance to close a major tax loophole for Wall Street that will move the giant Inflation Reduction Act forward. I had great, I, I loved Manchin and Cinema. Now, I, I mean, they're both dead to me, sort of kidding. I'm kidding a little bit. And the long-awaited CHIPS Act finally heading to President Biden's desk. Senator Maria Cantwell on the importance to the new economy. Then I think Americans were like, no, no, no. This is as essential as wheat. Monkeypox is now a U.S. health emergency. Former FDA head Scott Gottlieb. When doctors see patients presenting with unusual cases of what they presume to be shingles, or they presume to be herpes, they're now going to have to start testing for monkeypox as well. And all the stories wrapping up a busy news week. Jobs, visa in the hot seat with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin, the toasts of Washington. You love us equally. I like the back and forth. You do? You're a good team. You're the you're the odd couple, okay? It's Friday, August 5th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one, two, Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky's off today. We've got a big Friday for you, Joe, right? I mean, this is going to be something and a lot of news as well. First up, a pulse check on our economy by way of American employment. According to the Labor Department, the U.S. added a whopping 528,000 jobs in July, and the unemployment rate ticked down to 3.5 percent. That's the lowest level in nearly 50 years. Well, that job number is terrific. It's very difficult to say we're in a recession with that many jobs, but really that is the story to discuss. That was our own Rick Santelli reading the data this morning. And he's right. The story still really is, are we in a recession? Debatable. And if we are, what kind of recession is this? Two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, but the fastest pace of job growth since February? The economy is sending us mixed signals, but at least today's signals are promising ones. Fallout this morning from House Speaker Pelosi's controversial visit to Taiwan. China now announcing countermeasures, including canceling meetings between U.S. and China defense officials and suspending cooperation on anti-drug efforts, climate change and illegal immigration. Now, China also said it would impose sanctions on Speaker Pelosi and her immediate family. We're going to try to get more details on this as we get them. It's literally coming over uh, as we're speaking right now. So uh, a lot going on there. And um, the provocation appears to have been real. It's it's so bizarre, isn't it? it? So it's live fire but it's isn't it odd they're just firing off into woo just just firing stuff it's not hitting anything right but it's live fire it's like the do you i wouldn't know how to run a country i wouldn't i don't know how to oh it's obvious that i wouldn't know how but so they're firing a bunch of live stuff into this the 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 straight so that you can see it happening and there's smoke 
But what are you doing? Are you saying we may aim it at you eventually? Or what, what's the point? Is that, is that what the point is? It's to provoke. But, but I think the larger issue is there, there are real issues that we have in the United States where we actually do have to cooperate with China, whether we want to or not, whether well, it's on, 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 on drugs and pharmaceutical issues or on Basketball. climate issues. I mean, there, there are real issues that we do have to communicate with them about right. and have some form well, they of gotta a get relationship. Up, they got to get over it because Congress, congressional people have been going for since the beginning of time over there. So get over it. Nothing happened. Uh, uh, you know, they, if, if they're going to do it, I'm not saying they're, they're in the, the right. Their position, their position is ridiculous and makes no sense to me. And is uh, that's not the issue. I think the question is, what, was you, it, don't, you know, we talk about virtue to, signaling. To appease or we not talk about virtue signaling. Was right. this trip a, a just one big virtue signal? No, right? to appease and or not to appease. Clearly, that that is the to appease dictators and I don't and want to appease these people. I, I'm that on television every day asking CEOs not to, whether they should do business in China. No, to As appease you know. or not to appease. Well, we're never going to stop doing business in China or Saudi Arabia. So we all need to you know relax. Well, okay, a so now you okay, So which is it? I, I go all over the place. So we've got an update now to an important story we've been following all week. Visa and MasterCard are now cutting ties with MindGeek, that's the parent company of Pornhub. In a page-long statement on Thursday, Visa chairman and CEO Al Kelly saying Visa is now suspending card acceptance privileges on the advertising arm of MindGeek. Quote, Visa cards will not be able to be used to purchase advertising on any sites, including Pornhub or other MindGeek-affiliated sites. Kelly also said Visa, quote, suspended sites that contained user-generated content in December 2020 and acceptance on those sites has not been reinstated. And MasterCard also taking action within 10 minutes of Visa publishing their statement. MasterCard saying, quote, new facts from last week's court ruling made us aware of advertising revenue outside of our view that appears to provide Pornhub with indirect funding. This step will further enforce our decision, 20, our decision on December 2020 uh, to terminate the use of our products on that site. This action, all following that ruling on Friday by a district judge denying Visa's motion to be removed from a lawsuit facing MindGeek over child pornography on its site, Pornhub, and pressure, including on this program, from investor Bill Ackman. There have been hearings in Canada, around the world, people doing their best to shut down these companies. And the ultimate regulator is actually Visa, right? Visa tomorrow could shut down MindGeek. A board has an obligation to have a monitoring system in place to make sure that that product or service is not causing harm. In this case, of course, the payment system being used for illegal activity, which is enabling uh, child uh, trafficking. I think it's nice to see that Al Kelly's done what I think arguably was the right thing in this case. Uh, they sh I should say that Al Kelly's statement uh, says that they plan to uh, defend the case vigorously, uh, that they do not believe that they're in the wrong. Uh, but they are taking these additional steps now. Yeah, we talked about it a lot. What's today, Friday? When was that? Well, was that but, this but week? But I think what, what it, one of the things, it's, it's interesting, now that, that Visa's accepting, and MasterCard's accepting that advertising that supports something that might be illegal is a problem, this gets to, this gets to the question of how these financial services companies, you know, what their responsibilities are when it comes to different merchants and what merchants do. Um, and this can go you know, run the gamut of different types of illegal activity and what kind of policing they need to well, do. This, I don't on know. Their this was services. egregious, you know, and, and we're talking about something that's so, you know, when you hear about it, obviously, but it, so 
you want Visa to police any place that sells a fake coach bag? Well, I mean, I think there's questions about who you're doing business with, right? I mean, there's a, a know your customer how many, uh, how many people do they have, Visa and MasterCard? They're not going to all 20 gazillion places. And, you know, people have brought up, saying, what, what, if, what if the pizza yeah. place is owned by the mob? And I shouldn't say pizza. What if uh, any what if the, the, the Chinese restaurant is owned by, I'm not, you know, trying to stigmatize where it comes from, but there's right. stuff everywhere that, I don't know, there's a, there's a whole underground economy, Andrew, that Visa and MasterCard Correct. can't possibly... But they can't possibly we, police it. And there's laws use, against it that should be. And, and, you, you know, and then we'll get to the Second enforced. Amendment stuff. It should be illegal stuff. I mean, you've suggested doing it for stuff that's not even illegal. Well, no, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you the, the, the equivalent is there are stores, unfortunately, in America, uh, gun stores in America that are responsible and have been flagged and fined. No, you said this before. And in certain cases, there's been arrests. No, on certain stores where, where illegal activity has clearly taken place. I mean, lots of illegal, repeated events right. of illegal but, activity. Look, it, it's summed and, up in the slippery look, slope. Argument. You could argue that they should get shut down. You, you said you weren't going to go is, the slippery slope. You said you just want it with the mind geek and you weren't going to do the slippery slope where well, everything in the world needs to be policed by Visa and MasterCard. Now, here you are slipping halfway down the slope again. Don't slip down the slope on a Friday. My question, my question is, what do you think the responsibility of these companies should be? That's, that's all I'm asking. Cheese will be next. Next, Washington deal-making. We're looking at the two key pieces of legislation that may kickstart the president's domestic agenda. Build Back Better 2.0's maybe late save from Arizona's centrist Senator Kirsten Cinema. For the life of me, cannot understand this. I cannot. I don't get it. I wonder, does she, does she get it? Does she understand? And Senator Maria Cantwell joins us on the imminent law to make more microchips right at home. The information age is going to continue to unfold, and the United States has to lead in the next generation chips. Squawk Pod will be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Today on the podcast, we're featuring two sweeping pieces of legislation, one that's just across the finish line and the other in the final horse trading moments. The Chips and Science Act, which will provide billions of dollars to the semiconductor industry in the United States, will be signed into law by President Joe Biden early next week. This bill had a long road 
The president pushed Congress to consider passage a matter of national security to make us more competitive globally, particularly against China, the current leader in chip production. The House and the Senate passed the bill with near-total Democratic support. With our Chips and Science Act, we send to President Biden bold new investments to lower costs for America's families while protecting their financial future. One third of Republican senators voted for the CHIPS Act, as well as about two dozen Republicans in the House. But other GOP lawmakers withdrew support late in the game when another spending package, a sort of cousin legislative piece of the president's domestic agenda, emerged from Senate Democrats. That sweeping bill, dubbed the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, comes from a deal between Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. It includes hundreds of billions of dollars in spending on energy, health care, and climate initiatives while taxing corporations. Senators, normally heading home for August vacation, are working this weekend to hammer out the final details and vote. Last night, a key Democratic swing vote. Senator Kirsten Sinema said she will support it. She's a yes, ending a week of a Washington waiting game. This was Joe Manchin on CNBC earlier this week. We had a good conversation, Sarah. I'm not going to say any more than that because, you know, she's a, she does her own homework and she uh, looks at the bill and, and, and looks at the content and she'll make her decision and give her reason for making her decision, I'm sure. The Arizona senator said her support required one major change to the revenue side of the bill. She doesn't want to see the end of what's become known as the carried interest loophole, a huge part of compensation for many on Wall Street. Some fund managers and private equity investors take their share of profits from deals or transactions as part of their work. And if they hold on to them for a few years, the profits are taxed as investment income, a much lower rate than, say, the tax on an average American worker's salary, allowing the richest of the rich to get more take-home cash. And it's not without controversy. Joe and Andrew take this developing story so from here. To the revenue side of the bill, Alon Gouy joins us now from Washington. Good morning. Well, good morning, Joe. Democrats have struck a deal with Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema that could cement the 50 votes needed to pass their new tax and spending bill. Sinema got Democrats to drop any changes to carried interest in exchange for her support. Instead, two sources tell me Democrats plan to impose a new 1% excise tax on stock buybacks to make up that lost revenue. Now, the carried interest provision would have raised $14 billion. The Joint Committee on Taxation projected a previous version of that stock buybacks tax that was passed by the House would have raised $124 billion over a decade. NBC also reports that the new 15 percent corporate minimum tax would still allow companies to take advantage of accelerated depreciation. And the deal would add billions of dollars in funding for drought mitigation as well. Now, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he believed every Democrat would support this compromise. And last night, President Biden threw his support behind the proposal as well. He said, quote, this is another critical step toward reducing inflation and the cost of living for America's families. The president urged the Senate to pass this bill as soon as possible. The Senate will reconvene on Saturday to begin voting on the bill. That process is expected to take all weekend. So, guys, final passage, assuming it happens, is not expected until Monday. Back over to you. They're going to get in under the wire. When does recess start? 
You want? Oh, recess was supposed to start yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so, so they, they, so they right. are going to be staying in session yeah, through the weekend. And after the Senate uh, votes on this, assuming it passes, the House would then have to come back out of recess. They've already left Washington um, sometime next week in order to send it to the president's desk, Joe. All right, Ilan. I want to talk to, uh, to Andrew uh, about this. Ilan, thank you. Uh, I, I, you got to talk, the, Joe. Well, the we got to talk. No, but the carried I don't interesting, not, Andrew. No, here's, here's, I have watched you over the years yep. when we have these guys on that benefit from this. Yep. And invariably, they've gotten to the point where they're so rich that they, they sort of embrace a lot of progressive thinking at that point for some reason. They all become very virtuous, okay. if you notice that. But the one area where the truth comes out and where they just never change their colors. And you've pointed it out, and I'm not gonna mention any names. I'm not, you know who they are, they know who they are, yep. but you'll yep. hit them square in the face with the logic of this, and you've never got a single one of these virtue signaling lefty type guys to say, okay, I support you taking this away. When push comes to shove, and it's their money and their tax situation, they never agree with you. And they always come up with something like, well, you know, we've got the greatest economy in the world here. Why should we tweak anything here right. or there? I don't know if yep. anything would really go wrong, but it's so good, right? We, you know, what we do with companies where we, you know, they need to be, uh, private equity needs to come in and streamline these. And without this, it just might, on the, on the margin, it might not be as easy to do. And, but all of them. And do you know who I'm talking about? Do you want me to, to, to mention that? Well, we don't need to mention any names, but I've watched you. Mention by name if you like. No, it's I don't fine. want to. Do you remember? You mentioned some. I remember, I remember every one guy. All. One and guy I, redid the, the Washington Monument. Yep. Um, I, know, other, I know where you're going with this. I don't want to go there. What? I'm just saying it's really weird. And who got to Kirsten, Kirsten Cinema? But who so got that's to her? what I want to know. Who and got I, to her? You know who got to I her? Uh, donors. Donors. She's, she's got... Her campaign coffers probably benefit. Yeah, but what makes no in. sense, look, this bill I think is probably a good bill. I think, I don't know. So I understand why she may want to, want to uh, you know, vote why? in favor of the bill, the, the overall bill. What I don't understand, she's based in Arizona. In Arizona, this carried interest, the impact of carried interest on her constituents is like, like zilch, like practically nothing. So, you, you know, Senator you Schumer in New York. So then why? Senator Schumer in New York is more impacted in terms of his constituency, right. given the number of private equity and real estate and everybody else who'd be affected by this. I, I, for the life of me, cannot understand this. I cannot. I don't get it. See, I, knew I, I wonder, does she, does she get it? Does she understand? I mean, oftentimes I will tell she's you that smart. so many of these private it's equity not that folks. hard. No, I like to think she's smart, but a lot of these private equity folks do a, a sort of jujitsu thing where they try to tell you that somehow it's going to impact their investments, which it will absolutely have no impact on whatsoever because it has to do with the pay what to Bill, the private equity the executive, day. not right. the limited partner who's putting up the money. Just the other day, um, you asked Bill Ackman about it, and he said, I think if people are, I don't know, he, he gave the pat answer for why it, it, it's something that it's, no, but it, I, I think Bill Ackman, no, Bill Ackman is against it, is against. Oh, uh, uh, he is? Oh, I thought interest. he said that it helps. Oh, uh, it, oh okay. That, no, no, Ackman's against it. 
People How like about, Jamie Dimon uh, are against it. Bob Rubin are. I mean, you go well, those down guys the don't list. Benefit, of people, uh, those guys. They are, don't. Are, but they're in the they're in the business. Those are their clients. You would right. think if they would be incentivized to uh, to carry their water, they're they're carrying less water than than cinema is carrying for them. So the, the whole day, thing makes I, no I, sense right. whatsoever unless somebody's being bought off or or has some I don't I can't maybe it was somebody I don't even else. know what to think but somebody else the other day said that if they're willing to and it didn't make sense cuz it, it it sounded like he was talking about his, his own skin and if you know if we're going to uh, take a risk long term risk then we should be but totally how about this um, yeah would you prefer do you like it that they're making it up see I'd rather do the get rid of the carried interest and not do the buyback Tax. I, I, you know, you know where I stand on buybacks. If that's something that a company decides is, that's the way they want to, they, they want their income or their balance sheet to look a certain way. Right. Outstanding shares, not outstanding. Issue more. Uh, bring, Joe, bring, you and I ra- are are probably in more agreement. I am more. I have a stronger view, as you know, on carried about carried interest, interest in the which airlines, I just think though. is one of the most disgusting, gross. <laughs> Terrible right. loop. It's just obvious, glaring. It's like a loop. It's just there for everybody to see. And she has now shown her colors and who she is to decide. To decide that's the one thing that has to come out of this bill. That's the thing. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't I even know. understand it. I, 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 I sit here in just well, marvel at what's I, I, happening. Know, I had great. I, I love mansion and cinema. And now, I, I mean, they're both dead to me. Sort of kidding. I'm kidding a little bit, but to, to a lot of people, that's the way it was. It was like, wow, this, I don't know about Joe Manchin's future in, in West Virginia at this point in a state where Joe Biden has a 17% approval uh, rating. But, you know, people, people got to do what they got to do. Got to do what but they got to do. But what does she do? Tell me what she's doing. I mean, uh, no, I've read. I, why do you think the- I ask you about it? I just, li- I just like when these guys come on and they, they just twist themselves into pretzels, explaining why they're, they're the most... I mean, they raise money, they're, they're philanthropic, they're so, they, you know, they embrace every woke, you know, everything that, that needs to be done to get invited to all the parties in Manhattan. They do it all. And then when it comes to carried interest, they're like, whoa, 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 wait, and they already got billions. But, and they already have what billions. Is, what does cinema have on, what do they have oh, on know. cinema? I don't I know. Mean, I mean, honestly. If There's we could not find a, a way for you going on in the state of Arizona, do, just if we could do the isn't. airline, if we could do the airline bailout issue with the carried interest, you might explode. Your, your entire head might. I mean, if we could put those two things together, those are your two, right? I'm baffled this morning. I'm baffled. <laughs> I can't right. even. How do we go ten minutes on this? I guess uh, we we can do that with our we eyes closed. <laughs> Give me three hours. Let's right. go. We heard from Democratic Senator Maria Cantwell this week on Squawk Box. She offered some background on the negotiations, the pushing along and pulling along needed in Congress to get major legislation passed, in this case, the CHIPS Act. As chairman of the Senate Commerce Committee, Cantwell held classified briefings to ensure her fellow lawmakers understood the national security and economic implications of the U.S. semiconductor shortage. She says these meetings are ultimately what led to Republicans getting on board. The senator joined us from the very active and maybe a little noisy rotunda of the U.S. Capitol. Let's get back to Andrew. Good morning to you. We appreciate you you being with us. Um, Let's talk about this bill because there's been lots of of controversy, bipartisan agreement in the end uh, to move forward. But 
on both sides of the extremes of the Republican and Democratic parties, there were folks who said, why are we subsidizing this industry? And so I will start there. Well, we just had this conversation on your show about where is the economy of the future? And as a business person, former business person, I can tell you when times are uncertain, you basically think about what is the, your core investment and what do we need to do moving forward? One thing is very clear. The United States needed to invest in chips and science so that our advanced manufacturing was competitive in a global economy. And so we're sending that bill to the president's desk and he'll be signing it on Tuesday. So we're now asking states to prepare to train and skill a workforce so we can be the leader in design and manufacturing of advanced chips. And I think you know very well how important that is to new products, to services, and national security. What are we going to do to hold companies that get these subsidies to account? And I ask because we've seen, I mean, there is a laundry list of companies that have gotten subsidies uh, from taxpayers over the years, Foxconn being uh, just one example, Solyndra being another, where people look and say, you know what, they, they didn't um, live up to their side of the bargain, and this was wasted dollars. Well, in this case, we already know from estimates by uh, CBO and GAO that the investment we're making now, within five years, will be paid back and doubled. But we have a Commerce uh, Secretary who has the ability in this legislation to claw back funds from these companies. When you think about chip manufacturing and fabrication, it cost about $20 billion to build one of these facilities. And so we have shrunk from 36% of the market down to 12, and if we do nothing, we'll continue to shrink to the point where the United States is just not a competitive place to make this huge technology advancement. So the notion that we have to be competitive on an international basis, there was just no choice. Now we have to make sure that these provisions where we're generating some incentive to make this manufacturing move really encapsulate here in the United States, that we will be watching. And the language that says you can't develop other places, you can't do stock buybacks for a period of time, this is what will help make this legislation successful. What do you make of the rumblings that we're hearing that some of these chip companies are going to be asking for even more, not necessarily from uh, the federal government, though, maybe, uh, but from states and others? Well, it is an interesting uh, dilemma, given where Korea and Taiwan and other places have been and now Europe in incenting this sector. But we know this. We need millions of jobs in this area. When you think about the ancillary impacts to, say, the automotive industry or the electronics industry or uh, the grid itself. So we know that we need to skill and train people here in the United States. But the science part of this bill gives ample investment through the National Science Foundation for that workforce training and skilling to happen. What we're looking for is partners on the ground, universities, states, uh, organizations, business organizations who want to train and skill those to do chip fabrication as fast as possible. When people think about industrial policy, uh, one of the questions that comes up is if, in fact, the companies that are on our screen are wildly successful, and we have to hope that they are wildly successful, there is going to be a moment, potentially, and I'm curious what you would think, um, if we go back and look at the value creation that's been uh, created at those companies uh, for their shareholders, whether taxpayers are supposed to look at that and say, that's great, that's what we wanted all along, or we should have had a piece of that. Well, I just was asked by The Economist the other day, what did I think would make the decision about whether this was successful? 
And I still believe is whether the United States will be leading in the design of chip fabrication for the future. The design is everything. And we're at a point where we're not saying Moore's law is over, but it's getting trickier to add the complexity and to the, reduce the power costs to all the things that we are trying to do. Just look at automobiles and AI. You have to have sensors all over the place. You have to interpret that so you can have driverless cars. Chips are a key part of that. Or look at Qualcomm and what they're doing with 5G. So the information age is going to continue to unfold, and the United States has to lead in the next generation chips that are going to allow those advancements to take place. If we do that, the rest of this, we will see many, many, many uh, job growth numbers. And right now we're seeing these companies, you'll be having them on your show, that are going to be right. announcing expansions in the next month. Where's the line, though, for you? And when I say where's the line, there's going to be other companies from other industries that I imagine are start knocking on your door saying, you know what, what about us? We're, we're clearly important so, to national so Andrew, security issues a, at our, in yeah. our country. Yeah, it's, tr it's tricky for sure, Andrew. And if you want to have me back sometime and have a big, big discussion about this, I'm right. happy to come on board because obviously I heard everything you said about the airlines during our airline situation. But I would say right that you know that that paid a dividend we are further ahead of europe and everybody else because we put something in place in a short period of time did i want to do it just that way no but all of us got together here and made a decision and it is paying dividends for the united states and the growth that we're seeing in the economy and the rebound so that was a that was a smart policy in this particular example yes our hand is being forced by the fact that Let's just say, for example, Intel or others did not make the right R&D investment decisions and fell behind. And all of a sudden, Korea and Taiwan put their foot on the gas. And basically, all of a sudden, we look up and we're way behind as it relates to manufacturing. So we had to make a decision. But what I think Americans woke up to in the supply chain crisis, when they couldn't get appliances, when they couldn't get a car, when inflation right, right now is being driven by the fact that people can't even get a used car, then I think Americans were like, no, 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 this is as essential as wheat. We want to make an investment. We want it made here in the United States. And we want to be the leaders in the next generation of technology. I think the response from Americans, they're getting excited. They like competition. They right. like to be in the fight. And this bill is giving them the tools to do so. Uh, Senator Cantwell, uh, we appreciate you joining us. We care, uh, appreciate you being such an astute watcher of Squawk, given uh, that you uh, know about our views about airlines. And uh, we hope to have you back to have a larger conversation about all of it. Thanks. I, 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 I'm, I'm serious. It's an important discussion. I don't really believe that this is an industrial policy. This is about a smart investment. And so I'm so glad the president's going to be signing it on Tuesday. Well, we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. S Senator, do you, do you love us equally? Uh, Andrew and, and me, do you have a preference? Yes. You love yes. us equally. Um, See how that I works? I like the back and forth. You do? I like the back and forth. <laughs> and and, yeah. and you, you, yeah. you, you really don't really, it's not 51 49 or anything, it's exactly 50 50 for the love? Of, of, uh, well, some days, some days, some days, you know, one of you scores better than the other, but you know, on. You're you're a good team. You're the you're the odd couple. Okay, you're like you make it work every day with a juxtaposition. I can stand uh, Jack Klugman. I think I don't know if you're if you're okay with Tony Randall or not, uh, Andrew. But Senator, thank you and thanks for watching. And th that was very. That's that's what uh, politicians are, know how to. do. That was really good. Fifty fifty, Sorkin. You were hoping, weren't you? Yep. You were hoping she'd say, "Oh, I, yeah, Andrew is." <laughs>
Coming up on Squawk Pod, monkeypox. How is it spreading and how much of a risk does it pose? Answering your healthcare emergency questions with Dr. Scott Gottlieb. I think that's partly why we've seen cases go up rapidly is because a lot of those were either backlogs or people who are getting tested now for monkeypox because doctors are now starting to suspect that infection. So I think case growth is probably going to slow here in the United States. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This is Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe, in three, two, one. His mic, here. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box at, here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Biden administration has uh, declared the monkeypox outbreak a national health emergency, sounding the alarm over the growing number of cases across the U.S. Joining us now, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, former FDA commissioner and a CNBC contributor. He also serves on the boards of Pfizer and Illumina. And, and getting to this point, uh, doctor, it, it, it sounds... It sounds bad. It is bad. But do we need to temper our pessimism? Uh, Because we've just been through something that obviously with COVID, was that a whole different situation that we saw than what we're seeing now? We need to be aware of this, but I don't think we're going to shut down schools anytime soon, are we? Well, that's certainly true. This represents a whole uh, different level of risk. I think that this is more akin to what we faced with Zika, where you have the potential for a slow-moving infection that becomes endemic. It becomes a fact of life, and you get a new infection that you have to worry about, but it's going to be a low-level infection. This is not going to be a raging epidemic like you saw with COVID, certainly. I think the risk right now is that this starts to get a foothold here in the United States if it hasn't already. Um, It's spreading right now as a sexually transmitted disease, but it's not a sexually transmitted disease, so it's going to start to spread outside those social networks. And you just see this as a low-level threat. And going forward, when doctors see patients presenting with unusual cases of what they presume to be shingles, where they presume to be herpes, they're now going to have to start testing for monkeypox as well. But you're right, this isn't going to spread widely and rapidly. Uh, but the risk is that this becomes just another pathogen that we need to deal with. And that's unfortunate. It didn't need to be that way. If we had acted aggressively early, we could have potentially snuffed this out. So a, a pathogen, but has, there's been no, the mortality is what? The mortality is zero or, or is it, what is it? Yeah, look, in, in West Africa, where, the, where this has predominantly spread previously, the mortality was 3 to 4%, but the strain that spread in that region was presumed to be more virulent. Right now, we haven't seen any deaths. Um, We have seen hospitalizations as a consequence of people getting sick with the virus, but we have not seen any deaths. So hopefully it remains that way. But this still is a um, a, a pathogen, at least here in the United States, we haven't seen deaths. But this still is a pathogen that in an immunocompromised individual, in a young child, um, in a pregnant woman can be dangerous. And so this represents a certain amount of risk. Um, It's certainly not on the order of what we see from other viruses and certainly not similar to its close cousin smallpox, but it's also, it's still risky to people who are vulnerable to it. Well, close cousin of smallpox, that sort of leads me to the next question. And, and the chances that, 
that uh, some type of evolution of this thing into either something more infectious or, or more virulent. Is there enough spread right now that, to where there's an incubation of enough of these that, that where that uh, enough uh, virus where that could actually happen? Yeah, look, we've seen it already evolve. Like I said, it has evolved in the direction of becoming less virulent from the clade that was spreading in West Africa. It's a DNA virus. It replicates through DNA, so it's more stable, certainly, than the viruses that replicate through RNA like COVID or influenza. But it does have the potential to evolve over time in certain directions. Right now, it has evolved in the direction of being less serious. It could evolve backwards back into the direction of being a more serious infection. But so far, the cases we've seen here, a lot of them uh, have been milder. And that's why it's been hard to diagnose this, because people aren't presenting with the typical disseminated rash that you've seen historically. They're presenting with isolated lesions that are becoming confused for zoster infections, single shingles, or herpes. I personally know a number of physicians who've diagnosed patients with shingles um, who didn't presume to have any risk factors for monkeypox. They didn't resolve with uh, conventional treatment for um, herpes for zoster, and then they represented, got tested, and turned out to have monkeypox. I think that's partly why we've seen cases go up rapidly is because a lot of those were either backlogs, people who uh, couldn't get tested because testing wasn't available, or people who are getting tested now for monkeypox because doctors are now starting to suspect that infection. So I think case growth is probably going to slow here in the United States. Hey, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, um, I'm very curious. I want to pivot the conversation back to COVID for a moment, and in particular, President Biden's uh, rebound case after taking Paxlovid. We've talked a lot about rebound cases with you about Paxlovid, and uh, you've always said it's a very small and tiny number of, of folks. It's more anecdotal than real. And yet here we have the president uh, suffering for the same fate. What do you think of that? And do you think that there has to be a longer course? Some doctors have said there should be a longer course of of Paxlovid instead of taking it for five days, maybe you should take it for 10? Well, look, I've certainly never said it ha it's more anecdotal than real. Um, there is a certain percentage of people who seem to rebound from the infection, both on and off therapies. So the rate of rebound does seem to be consistent across not just the other, the other antivirals, but also people who are untreated as well. And it appears to be about 5%. And uh, Shish Jha, the White House coordinator, also confirmed that on Twitter based on the real world evidence um, that the company Pfizer has looked at. I'm on the board of Pfizer, as you know, as well as regulators and other public health officials. It could be a little higher than that. It could be a little lower. But uh, I think there's a perception that it's extremely high. And I don't think the data supports that. In terms of whether or not there should be a longer course of therapy, this is something that certainly is being looked at right now. Um, whether or not certain individuals might require a longer course of therapy, whether or not Omicron itself might require a longer course of therapy, whether or not vaccinated individuals. Um, I do believe, though, that a lot of people who are being started on Paxlovid right now are people who are getting diagnosed very early before they really manifest significant symptoms from the virus itself. And before they do what we call seroconvert, before they start to mount their own immune reaction because they're able to diagnose and treat themselves very early, their bodies really haven't started to produce antibodies. And that's not necessarily how the drug was studied. The drug was studied in people who had been symptomatic, I think, for three days on average. So the people in the cl clinical trial had started to mount an immune response. So if you are going to introduce a drug much earlier in the course of the illness, um, you may have to reevaluate how long you continue therapy. But that's going to have to be a decision the regulators make based on data that gets submitted by the manufacturer. And we'll have to wait and see about that. Doctor, from what you know, do we know if the president took 
a longer course than the traditional standard course? Yeah, look, they've been pretty candid about how they've been addressing his illness. They said he took a five-day course. I have no reason to believe that's not the case. I think the White House has been unusually transparent how they've approached his illness. So you believe it's just the single course? I, I believe that what they said is, is indeed true. And they've said it was just a single five-day course, and they didn't redose him. Once he um, re-manifested the illness, since he wasn't very symptomatic, they didn't start him on his second course. That's my understanding of what they said. Um, I think that they've been very clear about how they've approached it. So I, I believe what's coming out of the White House. And doctor, we got to run. But the other final question is, there are people who have rebounded. And then the question is, are they contagious or not? I know he 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 was uh, you know staying away from others out of an abundance of caution. But there is seems to be a debate about that. What do you think? Yeah, look, I think if you're testing positive on an antigen test, you're contagious. You might be less contagious than you otherwise would have been because you probably have some innate immune response at that point, but you certainly have the potential to shed the virus if you're testing positive on an antigen test. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, uh, always great to talk to you, get your perspective on all of this. Have a great weekend. Thank you. We got through this. Joe, I, I, I want to be happy about the jobs number. So what I'm a big be. week of news. What a big what? week of news. Big this week. fun, B sir. Big week of news. Oh, no. What was your favorite story? The visa one? Make sure you join There's us. There's so uh, many. I can't even, I can't even, I can't even rank I like, them. I like Schumer working through Hanging cinema. Hanging with you. I like Schumer working through cinema to get the deal, to get the carried interest done. Make sure you join us next week. Yeah, Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Please follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening. We'll meet you right back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.